Shut up and sit down. Hey, Mike. Ben. Welcome back, Ben. Welcome back to the um, Limited Upside Podcast. This is the sixth edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. We just got back from, well, a holiday break. Uh, we didn't celebrate Christmas. I didn't. I don't think you did. No, but, but I, no. New Year's and uh, and just being around the family, the holiday times, um, took us on a little bit of a hiatus from this from this podcast. But it only helped to build even more to talk about that happened in the NBA. But regardless of what happened in the NBA, how was your how was your vacation? I haven't seen you in like three weeks. Yeah, man. it's been a while. You know. Uh, is it just me or like is this a recent thing where the holidays is like one time mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. like just a long holiday? It starts um, around Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it ends uh, about five days after ends. New Year's. Yep, I don't remember it ever being like. Maybe I'm just like totally young and stupid right. here. Like I don't ever remember it being like okay, the it's the holidays, right? Yeah, right. maybe it's because like all our office mates are in Las Vegas. Uh, they are. At They're at CES, CES currently. Yes. So yes. it just feels empty uh, yeah. around this time of year. Uh, but I don't know. I had a good New Year. I went back to DC, saw nice. some old friends, uh, took it easy. Good. New Year's at a house party, which, you know, I don't know why I hadn't done that the last five years. You know, <laughs> not gone to a bar. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why. It's like one of those moments where you realize like what stupid things you've done in previous <laughs> years. How many different ways can you spend one hundred and twenty-five dollars in three hours? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's all you can drink. I don't know the last time that I drank one hundred and twenty-five dollars worth of booze in a night. Um, That's a lot of. Wait. It feels like a lot. You know what I mean? Like when you get an all-you-can-drink yeah. special type thing, which is most New Year's bars. They, you know, they get a number. Like we can fit two hundred people legally in this bar. Right. And then they say, well, we need to make twenty thousand dollars. So this is how much money it's going to be per person, or you know, they don't give shots. It's all drinks they water down. I, you know, there's good ways and bad ways to go about New Year's. I'm a house party person myself. I think, but I think what it is, if you live in the city like we do, we're New Yorkers, you crave that house party. But if you yeah. live in the you know our suburb or a rural area, you want to get to a city. Yeah, you know? and that, that's just probably the way that is. And you were um, away for New Year's, right? I was. I went to uh, to Charleston, uh, South Carolina, one of my favorite uh, cities in the country. Really great place, great food, uh, great atmosphere, good people, and, and thoroughly enjoyed my uh, my New Year's down there, down south. The weather was basically the same as it was up north, ironically, but uh, yeah, it was really nice. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I was able to, to watch all of the college football I wanted, the uh, wild card NFL playoffs. What is, what's football? What's football? It's it's this sport that's going to be extinct in like 10 to 15 years. Is that the sport where you get six points for scoring instead of two or three? Right, and that most of the game is played without your foot that's weird that's yeah. football yeah right? i know i know well at least basketball works right yeah and that's one thing that i think we both know at least a little bit about mm-hmm. social media told me that you watched every single game on christmas day yeah i that's I an advantage of being a jew right I, I guess so i can't say i like christmas hoops maybe it was just this year just like a dance late give me a, the so i only watched a little bit i was traveling i had to go to charlottesville virginia uh, on Christmas Day, it was a good time there too. Not a had to, I wanted to. Okay. Uh, so you tell me, give me a snapshot. Your impressions from the Christmas Day basketball this year? You watched all the games. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> the Cavs are still having issues. Yep. Uh, every other game was an anomaly <laughs> or boring. I mean, the Knicks are terrible. The yep. Lakers, you know, were competitive for a while and then some. Mm-hmm. It's a weird time in the NBA when your large city teams, your bigger brands are your worst teams mm-hmm. because they are sprinkled all around um, 
the national television, uh, you know, must-see Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday games, your Christmas Day games, your holiday games, etc., uh, feature teams that are unwatchable. And we're going to get into that here because we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference today, specifically the five teams that matter in the Eastern Conference with an asterisk for the sixth team who I actually like watching. Um, we'll get to them in a little while. Not the Sixers. Not, and the answer is not the Sixers. <laughs> they are not the... They are not in the top eight or top six, whatever it may be, of the Eastern Conference. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Josh Smith effect, which we at SB Nation have covered pretty well. Uh, I think better than actually most of the other sports sites who are kind of a little bit more, um, they're not as statistically driven all the time. Anyhow, it's more like beat writers' impression of the Associated Press's version of what Josh Smith did for Detroit, whereas we cover this stuff on a day in and day out. So I'll let you talk a little bit about that, the Josh Smith effect. That's with the Pistons and his new team, the Houston Rockets. And we're going to talk about the trade that went down yesterday. Uh, the three-team deal between the Cavs, Oklahoma City, and the Knicks, which saw J.R. Smith, Shumpert, Waiters, and Cap Space all going to and from uh, the three teams. So there's plenty to talk about. The, we, the last, best trade ever, by the, the way. Be, easily the best trade ever. I know, I think we heard today, uh, Celebrity Hot Tub told us that John Boyce is no longer a Knicks fan. Oh, because no. J.R. Smith was the reason why he was a Knicks fan, <laughs> which is great. Which that is, great. is that is. I, I hope there's at least a dozen other people who are only Knicks fans because J.R. Smith. Um, we just need Quincy Acy to start going out and partying and doing the rolling celebration, and then John can be a fan again. Quincy Acy had one of the best moves that a power forward or center <laughs> is going to make this entire season the other day, and he did it like uh, it was like the scene in Old School uh, where Will Ferrell's character, you know, does the debate, and he blacks, what happened, I blacked out. That was what happened with Quincy Acey. He, like, received a pass at half court, went behind his back on a man, so, like, a behind-the-back move on another player, then into a spin move into a one-handed dunk on the Greek freak, who thought he was easily going to block it. It was an amazing play, and then Acey, like, had this look of amusement, and as he looked at the bench with almost, like, a Jordan-esque shoulder shrug. Um, So, anyhow, Quincy Acey, he's the new... Leading scorer, leading rebounder, and uh, heart and soul of the Knicks. So tells you where the Knicks organization yeah. is. But but that's neither here nor there. The Knicks are not going to be talked about aside from this trade because first I want to talk about the top five in the East. Now similar to our last podcast where we did the eight, the one through eight best chances to win the West. I want to do the one through five because it's a five team race. We don't have to dilly dally with six, seven, and eight in the East. They're, they're going to be under 500 clubs. It might be a five-team race. It, it might be a five-team race. That's if we give credit to four and five, but we'll talk about that. So the top five teams with the best chance to win in the East, similar to what we did with the Western Conference in our last podcast. I'll start it off, Mike. I actually think this is pretty straightforward. I think it is, too. Well, right now I have the, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers as the fifth best chance yeah, to win the East. Of course, you have to. I mean, they, look, they don't look like a team that plays well together they don't look like you know we thought they would be this have these moments where they would just be like oh my god Mm -hmm. the cleveland cavaliers holy crap because they have three of the top 25 best players in the world and usually that can make some basketball you know magic yeah and maybe not the same even when miami was struggling there were still those holy crap moments Mm -hmm. and streaks of games where it was like holy crap they just ripped off seven in a row and it was easy the Cavs have shown none of that and it I don't think we expected the same kind of holy crap, but mm-hmm. I think we expected a little better offensive fluidity. What's really sad is that they, is that they, do, that they don't they don't. David Blatt this came here to run. I mean, you look at some of his European teams, yep. and you look at 
his team here, and there is such a big difference. It's uh, really frustrating. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird. With, with Blatt, he was praised to, for his offensive creativity, the way that he ran Team Russia into a bronze medal. Um, he did an incredible job of taking less and doing more, and then was thrust into his first NBA coaching role with taking the most and having to do the most, and that's very different. Um, yeah, you know, it, a lot of times um, the sum of the parts – or I should say, you know, the parts don't equal the whole, and or, or it shouldn't, or the whole isn't as strong as the sum of the parts, and that's really the deal with the Cavs. Um, the, in order for Kevin Love to have a great game and feel and act and play like the way Kevin Love is accustomed to from the rest of his career, it it needed to have either LeBron or Kyrie not playing. That, uh, that's here's a, where that's I'll not a good thing. You. Here's where I'll disagree with you a little mm-hmm. bit. I think the one of the things that made Kevin Love so great in Minnesota is not just that he could score and all that stuff. He was like Dirk, the greatest decoy. You mm-hmm. could just kind of run him around and everybody would chase Kevin Love. True. Wherever he went, and everybody else would prosper. We've seen none of that in Cleveland, which I find very frustrating. He's yeah. kind of just, instead of he's the kind of ultimate, you know, chase around guy, he's just the dude standing in the corner. Yeah. He's, it's almost like there's somebody else that should be taking attention off him. And I think that's that is not how you use him. No, that's interesting. It's been very frustrating to watch him basically be he's too good to be a spot up shooter. Sure. And sure. It's not even just about post ups or whatever. It's not even about touches. It's yeah. about Motion. I mean, he's just standing still in those posi- many possessions. Very frustrating. Yeah, that's one of the worst parts about watching the Cavs. They have no fluidity on offense mm-hmm. whatsoever, and then that's the side of the ball are actually doing decently because yeah. defensively they're a terrible team. Horrible. Um, they, they they have no team chemistry in terms of rotations. They have no one who blocks the rim. They have no depth in their big men. They just added in this trade, and we'll talk about the effects of that later on in the podcast when we get into the trade, but they finally have a little bit of wing and perimeter defense by adding Shumpert and J.R. Smith, both of which can play deep relatively well when they want to. One of them can. Two years ago when J.R. decided to play basketball for a full year to get paid, he was good at defense. He was. Uh, J.R. was a plus basketball player that year. He won the sixth man of the year. He was good at offense. Yeah, he was. He was. But the (laughs) the point is that um, the Cavs have... The Cavs have issues on issues, and it doesn't really matter because they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be what we think to be at least a five seed in the East with, as I put it right now, the fifth best chance to win the Eastern Conference. And I would give them the highest percent chance of rising in these rankings. Say two months from now they've figured it all out. I would say that they have the best chance to win the Eastern Conference on LeBron's shoulders alone. There's yeah, still I mean, more that, deals to be done, though, too. They're gonna, they might be the team that brings down there over for his six fouls a game. Um, <laughs> someone's going to have to. And they they, they like definitely want a big man. I, they keep talking about Mozgov or Kufis. Um, I think both of them would be good players for them, to be honest with you. I don't. I just don't see like why either the Nuggets or the Cat, the Grizzlies would trade mm-hmm. those guys. I just don't see it. Interesting. Like, what's the point? I mean, maybe maybe there's a point to Mozgov because Nurk is just playing so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rookie, but and yeah, I, I don't see like what. Why would they just? Why would teams just play along and give the Cavs a big man? Right. I just don't get it. Right, maybe teams are less inclined to help out the Cavs too. Uh, yeah, it's possible because let's let's be real. This Cavs team could be a completely different team next year if worst case scenario plays out this season. Yeah. There, are, there are opt-out clauses all over that team that could change the landscape of sure could. the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I just don't think they're just going to snap their fingers and get it, though. Like, I just don't mm-hmm. see I don't see them challenging the top four. And, you know, yeah, I don't want to see LeBron in a playoff series. But, right. like, remember we said the same things about the Lakers two years ago? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, I don't want to see the Lakers. What if they figure it out? Well, mm-hmm. They never did. Yeah, and sometimes that never happens. Um, 
And, I mean, they and did then those teams fall apart. They did to some degree, but yeah. not enough to really challenge sure. you know, for a top, you know, a, a dangerous spot. And they got swept in the playoffs. I mean, no yeah. Kobe. But right, right, right. I don't right. think they were winning a series with Kobe either. But it would have been interesting to watch Kobe try to win the series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, all right, so Cleveland at five. Um, I have Washington at four. Uh, you know a thing or two about the... Uh, yeah. The, ar- the artist formerly known as the Bullets, but I- I'll say this. Um, I have Washington at four. I would have felt just as comfortable making them the three. Mm-mm. I would have because, well, the West, the way that the rest of my top five shakes out, I'm more of a fan of the Wizards than you are, which is crazy. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, which is, which I just is, know what they are. They're, the, they're the easiest team in the league to figure out. They're a nice 50-win team. They're not the 12th best team, 13, 11th best team, maybe 10th best team in the league. They have one great offensive player. They have a lot of decent players. They have decent mm-hmm. depth. They have a great defense, but they can't score when it matters. It's too easy to guard them, and they're relying so much on old guys. Do you they, also have them as the fourth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we, 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 we agree on five and four. I think the Wizards are going to be an interesting team come seven-game series time. We talked about this before the pod. I, I thoroughly believe I have all these different – theories and ways of looking at, at sports in general. But number one is series sports are different than season sports. Everything changes when you play the same team seven times, when you're playing with a day rest or a minimum of one day rest every single game. Mm-hmm. It makes guys like Paul Pierce a little bit fresher. It makes his value in the minutes he plays in one of seven games a heck of a lot more than That's one of eight two. And I think that you're going to see the best shade of the Wizards this coming postseason uh, as opposed to this actual regular season, similar to how you did last year. Look, the Wizards stepped it up in the playoffs. They did. Year. I think they had a, a good draw yeah. for them. I think they would have struggled against Toronto, but Perhaps. Chicago, mm-hmm. I think, was an easier puzzle to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one concern I have, that's, all that is definitely true. I mean, we saw playoff Nene last year, sure. that's for sure. And yeah. certainly playoff Paul Pierce. And they have... They're, they're staggering their minutes. Sometimes it frustrates fans, and I understand why, but they're kind of staggering their playing time so mm-hmm. that those guys stay a little fresh. You know, mm-hmm. They're not trying to tax them in That's December. That's the smartest thing Whitman's done. Because yeah. last year he played six guys the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem is that, like, they, you saw this on this road trip, you know, when there's four minutes left and they need a bucket, mm-hmm. like, they're just too easy to guard. Mm-hmm. Unless Bradley Beal plays like he did in the playoffs last year, they just it's too, e- it's too easy to guard them. No. They don't have enough shooters. Wallace is still too inex- inexperienced. Uh, and they can go small, but they tend to not want to, even though I think it's an effective lineup for them. You know, just, like, let's say they're they're in a playoff series against Cleveland, and it's a five-point game with four minutes left. I mean, mm-hmm. can they hold that lead with their offense? I mean, that's well, a big concern. And that's a question. That's, that's a differentiator. Um, we've spoken about this uh, when we compare the great point guards in the NBA. Right now... Wall might be the best passer of all the best point guards in the NBA, which mm-hmm. is saying a heck of a lot because there are, you know, the Chris Pauls of the world still exist. Uh, Curry's an incredible passer as well, creativity wise. Uh, there's a lot of great passers. Wall might be the best. However, every other great point guard in the NBA, and I'm not even counting Rondo in that conversation anymore. And I'm by no. great, I mean maybe top five, top six, top seven, whatever. Even even go yeah, deeper you than can that. Even I go, would say. Sure, you can go up to Lillard, uh, down to. Uh, Put Rose in there even. They can, Conley. Yeah, Conley, sure. They can get you 25 to 30 if they need to in that game, along with that double-digit assist. Mm-hmm. It's hard for Wall to get 30 points. It's hard yeah. for Wall to get 20 points. Yeah. You know, he's a lot of these games where he Against has, good teams. I yeah. mean, I, I, he can carve up bad teams. Sure, sure. He, he'll have 30 against the Celtics, but then the next day it might be 14 assists, which is amazing. Yeah. And three steals or something like that, a block. 
but you know, 12 points. And, and that's a big difference between um, what the Wizards might need and what they're currently getting from the regular season to the postseason. Yeah. So I have them at four, uh, Cleveland at five. Um, my three is Toronto. I, I could. I, I think I'm at three is Toronto as well. Okay, good. So we both agree. Wow. Like I said, this is look pretty at all this straight. Agreeing. I think this is pretty straightforward. To be yeah, honest. yeah. Which would then make me have uh, Toronto at three, uh, Chicago at two, and Atlanta at one. So the reason why yeah, I, I have mean, that that's interesting. Three, I, I would still put Chicago number one. Okay. But I love the way the Hawks are playing. All right. So we'll keep. We'll, we'll not talk about. It. We like Toronto. We give them a lot of love on this podcast. And and uh, look, they've been playing. Since the trade last year, you know, whatever, 19 games into the season, they've been really good, and they've continued that. There's there's not a whole lot to say. They're going to get DeMar DeRozan back. Uh, people are really sleeping on the fact they've been without their second-best player most of this season, um, and it's only really helped shape everyone else in the team. That's usually what happens. Good teams, when they lose a good player to injury. Well, they have a lot of depth. Yeah, they get, everyone finds their role but and get better. Not a good defensive team. They really mm. weren't even with the Rosen there, and they were really cratered. Since Do you think left. Valanchunas is still being peeled off the court in Phoenix right now after the Archie been <laughs> dunked? There's nothing like being posterized when you're fully aware that you're about to be dunked on, so you just mm-hmm. turn around. It's like the moment of terror. <laughs> right, right. Now, I've never been dunked on in my life. Mike, have you? No. Yeah. I'm exactly. not. You know, because I'm very good rim protector. Yeah, right? yeah. They, they don't want to dunk on me. I'm very intimidating. Well, when you're six feet tall with a 35-inch vertical <laughs> leap like Mike here, you just block the shots. I used to just low bridge. I went right for the low you bridge. You should subtract yeah. maybe 20 inches off that <laughs> vertical. It's, it's more like a phone book type vertical. Um, so, so Well, it depends how big. <laughs> It's a major metropolitan area. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah then, then I might have trouble. So I have Chicago at two um, because basically until Rose shows me that he's going to be a uh, seven games in a seven-game series guy, I have Atlanta at one. I, I like I like the matchup, quite honestly. I like the matchup for Atlanta in the Atlanta-Chicago series. I that do would too, actually. Happen, and that's part of the reason I put Atlanta at one uh, and Chicago at two. Um, but I'll say this. The fact that we're talking about Atlanta and Chicago as the two top teams in the East, with Toronto as the third, the Wizards as the fourth, and Cleveland as the fifth, should talk to the state of the Eastern Conference right now. They're all decent teams, but one of them has really stepped above the rest. It's been the Hawks. Yeah. Um, that's why I have them at one. The Hawks. I love the Hawks. The Hawks, who Mike, and I'll give all the credit in the world to here, uh, Mike Prado was well ahead on the Hawks bandwagon. Um, knows how well they play, loves Budenhauser, big Millsap guy, likes the depth. Yeah. I mean, part, part I wasn't of, always a big Millsap guy, I will say. When he came to Atlanta, I wasn't a big Millsap guy. Yeah. Well, he's because I just felt like he was kind of ordinary baseline player, like really good fill-in-the-blank guy, good numbers, but I thought he was too easy to take away. But so he's changed? developed a three-point shot, and mm-hmm. now... He can run pick and roll in the middle of the court, and man, he is—he's one of the best pick and roll players in the league. He is tough because you can't—you have no idea where to stop him. And he's they have so much space that it's mm-hmm. hard to kind of help but dig another guy off him. I mean, how can you? Yep. How can you leave Corver? Right. They have a really, really well comprised team: court spacers, passers, rebounders, defined roles. Horford healthy. Still getting healthier, I should say, but but playing, yeah. um, and that's just that's the other thing. When Horford gets his entire skill set under him again, sky's the limit for the Hawks. That's you all, know what that's they, coming I don't think of. they need him to get it all together. I'm just saying, if if that maybe need and, and if they have that happen, two different things. They probably don't need that. But I don't think so. Should they? Horford's a very good player. I um, think that he's actually subjects you know kind of step back some of mm-hmm. his offense for the good of the team. Sure. For how well, Millsap. It's fine with Millsap and Teague. They're two guys, and I mentioned this before about Drew Holiday, but 
Um, Teague and Millsap are guys that when they play other elite players at their positions, they seem to win. Uh, they win the individual battles. Their team seems to win. Last night, uh, the Hawks went on the road, or two nights ago, the Hawks went on the road and beat uh, Portland. Mm-hmm. And Millsap put it on Aldridge, and Teague put it on Lillard. Yeah, and, and it, but and, it's all because... And those are two really good players. Yeah, but it's all because it's not a one-on-one game. Like, like, they are so tough to guard in yeah. secondary transition. They There's so much more space for them. Sure. You know, when Aldridge can't rely on um, his guard to kind of really fight through, if a, if a guard gets beat and mm-hmm. like Aldridge is stuck on that pick-and-roll, I mean, how do you... He gets no help anywhere else. You know, the secret weapon to that team is Corver. Yep. They are not as good when Corver's not in the game. Yeah, Corver's been um, maybe one of the more underrated players in the NBA for the entirety of his career because teams have looked at him as, oh, if we have to move that piece or we can't really give that much money to that type of player. But in actuality, he's an incredibly mm-hmm. integral part of a winning team. Imagine he's, the he's, Bulls still had him. I, I was just about to say. You they know, gave I him away for nothing. Who needs a court spacer right now? The Bulls. Um, and, and that's the thing. Corver isn't just a shooter. We talk about it like he's a court spacer. He's a really good player. Corver's mm-hmm. an underrated defensive player. Corver's yep. a very good passer. Great screener. Great screener. And part of being a good shooter is being a good screener. If you could do both those things, now you become a total player on yeah. the pick and roll. He's he's a really good player. Great and entry passer. Yeah. Very underrated yeah. skill. No, I, I totally agree. I, I watched Corver play a lot when he was in college at Creighton. I watched him play a lot in his early years with the Sixers. And I always thought he was a very good player. Um, and, and look, the Bucks, the Bucks, the Hawks have a lot of those um, maybe undervalued on other teams but create a really solid foundation for the Hawks team together. Let's, um, ask, this thing, let's ask this question then. Sure. How do you beat the Hawks? What do you uh, think? Well, I, I think two things are going to happen. The, the same way that we just talked about incredible team basketball, well, incredible team basketball usually hits a snag when it goes up against even better individual talent on a good team. I think they lose in the Eastern Conference if they run into, like, um, Chicago fully healthy and beating them inside. The one place the Hawks aren't going to have teams beat is that they aren't the biggest team in the world. Mm-hmm. And if Chicago wanted to pound the paint, uh, play lineups with uh, you know Gibson, Noah, and maybe Gasol together, then they're going to give the Hawks a lot of trouble. Plus, the other thing that Chicago's going to be able to do is uh, Butler is going to be able to... You, they're going to put Butler on Teague. Butler ends up playing the best player, guard one through three-ish player on the other team. And Jimmy Butler has been as locked down as it gets in the league. I think if you cut off the head of Teague from the body, uh, the rest of the team on Atlanta, they're not nearly as good. They really need him. Because when Teague was hurt, they put Schroeder in, Schroeder in that spot. Yeah, they're I just like as Schroeder good. too. They're just as good. It didn't make a difference. Because no, no, I thought that too. You know? so I thought maybe you if, you switch, if you switch a lot and make Teague go one-on-one, you kind right. of cut off their, their ball movement. But mm. you know, the Wizards tried that when they played uh, in D.C. and the Hawks beat them mm. anyway. Yeah, um, I think you're onto something with their like size. I think with a team like Chicago that can just pound Gasol, I think that's a tough matchup. Yep. Um, because Millsap is, despite his incredible, I mean, he's got really long arms, right? So he's got over seven foot wingspan, but he's only like a six eight guy. Right. Um, so he would feel small in the matchup against any of the three big men on Chicago. Uh, four that's, four that's big men? Do we, do we call Meritich? I guess so. A, yeah. he, they played them all together the other night, which I thought was interesting. I mean, we've said this before on the, uh, the pod, but Meritich is a really good player. He'd mm-hmm. probably start for like 25 teams in the league yeah. right now. Yeah, but you know, one thing about Atlanta, though, is the way they defend. I mean, when they flood, they flood kind of the strong side like mm-hmm. we've talked about before. Yep, yep. Um, and they use their guards to help off. You know, even if you have a post player, I mean, it may not. You may not just have enough space. They may have the ability to compensate. You know, the yeah. one thing that they could do is against a team with um, 
guys who can both shoot and cut, like mm-hmm. that might be an interesting, you know, as a team kind of really hones in on their defensive tendencies and they notice this one player always drifting. Sure. They can kind of adjust the play so that that guy gets nailed mm-hmm. in an easy way. It's a little hard to do in the course of a regular season. Sure, sure. But, I, you know, it's, they're tough to guard, though. I mean, I just don't know. Like, you have to have – like who if, if let's say you put Butler on, mm-hmm. on uh, Teague. On Teague, yep. right? So who guards um, who guards Corver then? I mean, I, the assumption would be that you would put Rose on him, you'd put your point guard on him, have him trail him. The idea is that you want to have someone always around the shooter, but not necessarily someone who's going to be able to, like, they're not going to change their game plan to put Corver in the post because that would screw up the flow of their offense, right? right. They're still going to probably run the same set. So you probably want, and I realistically, I think the quicker the player, the better the guard is on Corver because you're going to have to fight through a million screens. Yeah, but do you want Rose to do that to be the fighting through the ball? Screens. I mean, that's a lot. It is. It is. Uh, no, yeah. that's that's an interesting. Maybe we put Doug McDermott on it and we settle the best Creighton player of all time once, <laughs> and, once and for all, right? The yeah. be, who is the best Blue Jay of them all? You know, what would be actually kind of interesting is uh, I don't know if um, this would ever work, but uh, if it would just be too much for him to handle. But like, what if you put John Wall on Corver? Oh, you're talking about the Wizards now. And then you had Beal. The Wizards, basically, what they tried to do when they Mm -hmm. played is they switched everything. Mm -hmm. But Teague kind of was just, their bigs are too slow for Teague. Right. Now, there's some teams that maybe can do that. Like, what if Toronto plays, now this is not how usually Toronto plays defense. Mm -hmm. They're a very aggressive attacking team, and I think it hurts them. Their fundamentals have been off. That's why they're bad. I've I've noted that before. But um, what if they played small? And they switched all pick and rolls so that Amir Johnson was picking up Teague, hmm. or Patterson was picking up Teague, yeah, I mean, or James Johnson was picking up Teague. No, that to me is the only way you really slow Atlanta. Is if you you just say you, your your power is your movement. Mm-hmm. If you switch, we're going to try to tempt you into the mismatch. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. The other Toronto thing, might be able to do that. Yeah, the other thing Atlanta's going to have going against them, which is different, and I hope we have a million Hawks fans that listen to this, but there's not a great home court advantage in Atlanta. <laughs> That's true. Uh, which is they big. do show up for playoff games, though, right. historically. Well, so this is my question to you. How are they going to put the number one seed on NBA TV four oh, times? God. Because that's what's going to happen. The Hawks, legitimately, when they do the NBA TV um, like uh, uh, promos, it's just Hawks highlights from the last <laughs> four or five seasons they've been in the playoffs. Because what if, what if a team like it. Indiana is the AC? Well, I was going to say, the, the, the best possible scenario is the Orlando versus Hawks first oh, round Lord. game. Because I don't, if there's an NBA TV four, then it'll probably be <laughs> you know, Just hide it. Or hide Milwaukee, guys. as much as we love Milwaukee. Yeah, well, that was, so that was my surprise team. If our one through five are, and in this order, or in no particular, but Atlanta or Chicago at one, two, and then Toronto, Washington, Cleveland. That sixth team is the revolving door because right now that sixth team, in my opinion, and I think in yours too, Mike, because well, the standings, the, well, right? standings are what they, or what they may be, but um, I'm saying with the best chance to win the Eastern Conference, which again only really five of them do. But I would say the Bucks are that sixth team, and that's even without Jabari Parker. Um, Kid's done an incredible job coaching this team. I mean, he, he really has become a good coach quickly. And it fits it, what he tries to do a little well, bit better. It made sense for him to have a young team that wanted to learn from a guy they idolized growing up than a team of contemporaries. Like I never understood year. why they thought that kid would be able to reach Kevin Garnett. Made no sense. What the hell is Kevin Garnett yeah. going to like want to I'm sure. get coaching from kid? Yeah, I'm 100% sure that Kevin Garnett probably has at least a technical foul in his career from going after Jason Kidd. And Pierce probably does too. And, and maybe so Jason Terry did. The whole team was guys who were legitimately drafted in the year around or the year before. Yeah, that after. never made any sense. 
Lawrence. Kid, yeah, that was that was a bad big mistake. But you know what I like about mm, Milwaukee? Mm. You know, he's a bit of a divisive player, but I like Brandon Knight. Yep. I like the way he's not a perfect player, but I think for them, the way he attacks, I think it's maximized their mm-hmm. danger. You know, you have to worry a lot. Yeah. Him. Well, they're letting him be offensive and not yeah. just and and letting him score. When you try to put uh, a round peg in a square hole, it usually doesn't work. And when Knight was being tried to make uh, be made into a pass first point guard, that just was never going to work for him. Yeah. Detroit didn't know what they do with him, um, but he's in a good spot, I think, with the Bucks and learning from one of the, the greatest point guards of all time. The, the concern I have with Milwaukee is that they get in the playoffs and nobody guards Giannis and he loses his confidence, which is kind of already happening right now. He's just it is. He doesn't shoot. I, that's that's going to be tough for them. Well, I teams think. teams are making him pound the ball into the ground, and that's another part of his game. He's still got to develop, which right. is his handle. So yeah, it's working. He said he doesn't want to shoot threes, which I, you know, it's just the confidence isn't there yet. I will I will be a little disagreeable now, even though I'm not sure I totally believe mm-hmm. this. I'll say Brooklyn will eventually get to six. I okay. think they have enough veteran guys. I think they're starting to figure out like how to use Plumlee and Lopez mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and they have they're figuring out their wing rotation. Joe Johnson's still a very good player. Uh, you know, I, I think that in the end at the end of the day they're gonna approach five hundred and Milwaukee might hit a rough patch, especially if they have one more injury or if the Sanders situation really kind of goes even more haywire than it has. It's January 6th, and currently uh, the rumor is that Larry Sanders is is quitting the NBA, leaving, leaving basketball. He's thinking about thinking it, about leaving. Basketball. He's been away from the team for about six games, right. and you know it could be all sorts of things. I, yeah, I we're, not, we're not going to speculate, okay. but yeah, we hope that everything is is all right mentally and physically with with the young man yeah. because he's probably what in his mid twenties. Yeah, you know it's it's a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's the Bucks, that's the Nets. The rest of the Eastern Conference, I don't want to talk about Miami because they're terrible. <laughs> Indiana is only slightly less terrible than Miami, and that's really because of injuries. So uh, more fault to Miami. Um, Boston doing their best, as we said before. Danny Ainge doing his best to uh, to, to lose. Uh, Charlotte doing their best to lose, but not on purpose. Uh, yeah, I'm sad about them. I really thought they'd be good this yeah. year. I, I, I know. Me too. Me too. Be one um, of my bad bit. But that don't, does, don't look now. But uh, I said that I was going to say that brings us to Detroit, <laughs> um, which will help me segue to kicking it over to you, Mike, to talk about the Josh Smith effect. As we sit right now, Detroit's ten and twenty-three. But they've won five games in a row. Not only one, but they've crushed. They played some terrible teams. Yeah, but that's but part of being in the Eastern Conference. Like th- that's why we thought they'd be a playoff team from the beginning. Um, so tell me, Mike, what is the Josh Smith effect, and why well, has it I mean, been so profound? Well, I think Detroit's been much better, and Houston has been struggling a bit. There it is. That's okay. the Josh Smith effect. So well, then, why then why is there why is there so much being written about? Um, we've published a few things. ESPN's insiders have published a few things on. Uh, what Josh Smith does to a team's offense, what Josh Smith does to a team's defense, and for some reason how that is manifesting itself in the overall points scored and points given up, aka wins and losses. Mike, give me a little AKA bit more. Give me a little bit more. Give me a little bit more about what Josh Smith did uh, is doing for Houston uh, that might be negatively affecting them, and uh, and why well, the subtraction is target, hard to right? He's an easy target, right? Yeah, I mean, and the Pistons didn't just you know trade him they told him he has tons of money left on his deal like 42 million or something yeah they told him you know what we'll pay it just go away just get out of here you know yeah just leave you're you're that bad of an influence what what, what is that though i mean we're speaking in general terms here but what is the influence? yeah i mean what, obviously what, does he do? what makes josh smith a, lo- a loser well, he can't shoot he can't shoot 
And he thinks he can shoot, which is obviously what is is bugaboo over the years. I think, um, you know, when he plays, I mean, teams leave him, and so he gets the ball, and, you know, he has these skills that he has yet to kind of fully, he never really has kind of fully put together in some sort of package, you know, passing, finishing, the defense, you know. And so he kind of gets it, and he, one of those guys that can do, everything but finds a way not to do mm-hmm. anything um you know i've always actually been kind of a higher a better more of a josh smith fan than most although this stretch is making me look bad <laughs> um he just i think he just didn't play defense in detroit he really stopped trying i think they he, you know when he's in the game he gets the ball a lot just kind of through osmosis and you mm-hmm. know thing the play goes away from him and he suddenly is the open one and he gets the ball a lot and he tends to not do good things when they have the ball. I mean, even in Houston, he's getting the ball. You know, it's easy to say, you know, you should focus on what he does well. But, you know, the problem is he can do a lot of things well. But, you know, his game is very hard to play his game. You know, he can't really, like, fade in the background as a role player. Yeah. Like, he just kind of – the ball just kind of finds him. Yep. And he finds a way. You know, he's – and, of course, his decision-making is bad. The other night against Chicago, he – you know, they're up – they're down, down two or down one or something like yeah. that. You know, minute – Butler just hits a three to put Chicago ahead. You know, 17 on the shot clock, you know, James Harden runs a pick and roll and he gets in the lane and he kicks to him. And 17 on the shot clock, one-point game, wing three, Josh Smith still shoots it. Yep. It's a terrible shot. It's a, it Maybe it was the biggest possession in the game to that point and was the reason why they ended up, not the reason, but they lose the game. Well, they wilts it down the stretch. Yeah, you like to get a better shot on that play. It's funny, you mentioned that he, he's not going to age into a different type of player, really. That's sort of uh, Iverson-esque. It's almost Carmelo-esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys who only see themselves as one type of player. I- I'd argue that that's the opposite of Vince Carter, who's made an incredible you know, rena- late renaissance in his career by, yep. by realizing what he can do and not still trying to do what he can't. Um, and that's definitely Josh Smith's Achilles heel. He still takes too many threes. Uh, he still drives right and shoots left. Um, you know, he has a a very well-known set of skills at this point that teams push him towards his weaknesses, and then he still will go towards those weaknesses in the face of it. Well, but just think about this. Let's say he was yeah. the nicest dude ever. Yeah. And that, and maybe he is. And let's say he's like, you know, is not a guy who whines, who thinks mm-hmm. he's actually better than he is. He just has his skill set. Sure. What's what's a role for him where he, his weaknesses don't get magnified? Yeah, I probably would say that his best role would be uh, the sixth man on a, on, a, on a pretty good team, where he's not the starter, but he's coming in with a second unit that will defer to him a little bit, allow for him to kind of be the man, which he really shouldn't be with a first unit on a good team, uh, and then play some pretty good fourth quarter minutes um, with you know the ability to pull him out still because he's not one of your starters. And that role player and when you're playing your minutes is really significant, I think. So you think that he would be just as his weaknesses would not matter against second units? Because I don't know. If no, I, th- I, I think that your a second unit is never going to you know amplify uh, your weakness. If anything, you know, a second unit's coming in there with guys who also have some flaws. Maybe they're not as strong defenders. Maybe they, you know, uh, in Josh Smith's case, one of the, the the toughest parts with watching him play is what we want from him versus what we get from him. Yeah, you know, six foot ten lefties. Uh, who have nice arc on their shot, who have touch around the basket, and, and who you used can to be guard inc- three defenders. Yes, used to be an elite defender and a really good rebounder and an incredible athlete. And as the athleticism is being drawn away as he gets older, he's um, failing to cope 
uh, with how you add to the other parts of your game to make up for that. Like the, yeah, I mean, the, you, you talk about Vince Carter. He mm-hmm. learned how to shoot. Yeah, he learned how to shoot for sure. Now and he can he can rain threes. Yeah, and Vince doesn't take bad shots anymore. I mean, like one of Vince yeah. Carter's one of Vince, <laughs> uh, maybe Carter, one of Vince Carter's you know, and this is similar to Josh Smith. When you go from being the most athletic guy in the room uh, to being another guy in the room, you have to figure out what still differentiates you. And I, I don't know what it is for Josh Smith right now. I'm sure he's probably desperately trying to figure that out. But Vince Carter realized, I'm a really good long-range shooter. Yeah. And I still can go to the hoop if guys are going to come up on me because of my shooting prowess. He, he turned the way he played the game around. And he's, yeah. This is a very key component of a, good, a very good Memphis team. Um, yeah, and Houston's a tough space for Smith to be Smith because no doubt. they're already, I mean, this is an untold thing, but they are not a good offensive team this year. Nope. Ariza is shooting 27% from three since a good start. If we, say, if we took out the first two weeks of the season, what's That's Ariza what shooting, 10%? That's what I'm saying. No, yeah, 27%. Yeah. That's oh, what he's shooting. Oh, yeah, he's, shooting, he's shooting 27% now. No, I'm saying if you take out the Since hot then. stretch okay. of the season, he's Jeez. shooting over the year he's like 32. percent Wow! So he can't shoot. Howard has no range. Obviously, they go off the bench with Corey Brewer, who, who's kind of another volume shooter that sure. doesn't really. Uh, yeah. No, and they can play Terrence Jones or Moda Yunus, but those are not guys that really scare you out there. I mean, the Bulls no. left Moda Yunus wide open. So for a team that runs a lot, I mean, even Harden is not a great perimeter shooter. Mm. He just takes a lot. I mean, Beverly is our best shooter right now, and he, you know, but he only shoots well in open shots. Yeah, and corners. So it's not like they have. I mean, let's say you put Josh in Atlanta. It's not like they have. It's not like Atlanta where everybody else can shoot and like you can get away with one guy. That's why. That's why Josh Smith's not in Atlanta anymore. That's true. <laughs> I mean, this is this is not dissimilar to Rudy Gay, where the the ripple effect, the teams that have been you know that don't have the guy anymore are good. Um, I, I will say weird. I think I think Detroit's a bit fool's gold mm-hmm. because they play such bad teams and because mm-hmm. if you watch any of their games, I mean Brandon Jennings is hitting some. Ridiculous shot. Hey, when Did he's you watch on, the Cleveland game? When he's on, I know. No, I saw he had like thirty though. And he had some ridiculous shots. That will not continue. I mean, there's, the funny thing is though, the Pistons were who had five wins, uh, you know, ten days ago or whatever it is. Uh, they're four games out of the playoffs. Yep. And I, I don't know if they played Miami right now. <clears throat> I'm not sure they're not better than Miami. I, I think it depends Miami's, who plays yeah, it depends, for it Miami. Does, it always depends on who's playing for Miami. But I'm the biggest Miami hater. I don't think Spo's that good of a coach. We talked about crazy. this earlier. I think they have nobody. They just have no. I mean, Norris Cole is like not an NBA quality player, honestly. Yeah. He's a, playing a big role, and it's like, it's Sean like, Williams is. Not, let me. I will you. say, you know, what I like on their team. I wish, kind of wish the Wizards had is Hassan Whiteside. He's <laughs> crushing it against second. Where did he go to school? Uh, where did he go to school? Marshall, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think that is. Marshall. Yeah. So, and Birdman is not good anymore. Um, you know, they but just all those guys, not good. They have three right, players. Right, so, so tell me this: what's three more, and a half? Pl- four what's players more plausible? Count Chalmers. But what's more plausible um, that all of those guys got bad right away, or uh, that LeBron James made them all better, and that and but it's not them. They have different players. Like I'm saying, I'm saying, but it's more logical that these guys all found their place in a system that had, uh, you know, a much better... Uh, it had LeBron James facilitating, mm-hmm. doing a little bit, making all those guys who were fives into sixes and anyone who was a seven into an eight. And that it wasn't Spo doing that, even though the job of a coach is to put his players into a position where a five becomes a six and a seven becomes an eight. Uh, so I, what I'm saying is... Um, I don't think that they're very good because there's no one there to amplify their weaknesses at this point. 
And then on top of that, they get older. And on top of that, you don't know who's going to play day in and day out. Also, Whiteside did go to Marshall. That's correct. Um, so, yeah, look, look, that's that's the Heat. We've already we just spent way too much time talking about them because I have no interest <laughs> in talking about the Heat. Um, I'm a little sad that Bosch got hurt because he was playing really well before yeah, he got hurt. I know. He's got a weird nagging injury, too. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the trade in a second after I give you this theory on the East not being that bad. Let me hear hear this out, Mike. All right, hear this out. We, this is going to be interesting. Okay, right. So do we have? Should we like play some music together? No, we don't this. need any animal noises. Yeah, so so here's I'm definitely going to dub some music. You're going to put some. Okay, looks well, like a, I wonder what a theory music is. It probably sounds like little thought bubbles. You know, <laughs> well that, this is my thought bubble that went off when I thought about the difference between the East and the West. The West is like eight apex predators, right? It's like if you took a small arena and in the middle you put like an alligator and a tiger, uh, you know, a lion, whatever it may be, the top of the food chain animals, and they can all hurt each other because they're all dangerous. They're all the top of the food chain. Now, what you have in the Eastern Conference is a couple of them, and then sprinkled amongst them like some bunny rabbits and some house cats. Uh, some you know, house a, cats are very scary. A turtle, actually, pound for pound, house cats. Really, really. Did you see the freak video? Athletes. You saw the video. They're also unafraid. Did you see the video of the cat that jumped off to sail? No, but stop! Don't ruin, don't ruin my momentum here right now. Okay. So what you have in the Western Conference is you have this army of the top beasts out there and there's really you don't know if that alligator who might be the one seed is going to lose to that tiger who might be the eight seed okay you really don't know because they could hurt each other but in the east it's just this effect of the strong getting stronger the apex predators eating and eating and getting fatter and fatter and that's what they end up the records are going to be in the east we went over this earlier the hawks could win 60 games easily they're, this year. They're, 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 going they're on like a 63 win yeah, pace. they're going to. And they've the already Wizards, beaten a lot of tough West teams recently. So you're absolutely yeah, right. I mean, why not? The, the, the uh, Wizards are going to play poorly enough and still win over 50 games. Here's the thing. Wizards need to go 27 and 21, I think, to win 50. Yeah, so they're going to win 50. That's They can do that. I mean, even though they played an easy schedule, sure. they, they can do that. But that's the point, right? They're, they're not even an apex predator, but they're still hunting pigeons. Um, that's the deal here. You have this ecosystem of the NBA right now that's just totally thrown out of whack. And currently, the Eastern Conference has these teams that are getting confident, they're getting stronger. They're learning how to play even better together. That's those Eastern Conference teams at the top. And I just dropped my notepad, so you probably yeah. had that crumbling. But everyone yeah. else is a bunch of minnows. Yeah, and everyone else is a bunch of minnows. So what? You what's, like the nutrition, what's the nutritional value of the minnows? Well, right. So like that, you said fat. Let's draw, up on sure. Them. Let's draw this analogy a little bit more. The nutritional value is you're going to look big and strong when you do go against that Western Conference team. Uh, however, it might be a little bit of an inflated, uh, you may have only been learning how to eat the little things when you try to take a bite out of the big thing, maybe like in the I finals. have another analogy. Go ahead. It's like um, the bodybuilder that only does the lifting that makes them superficially strong. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to think of like what a good example you're, Like your traps. Yeah. Yes, I know like, like a like Prison what? strong. So yeah, like, like they push them, they top over because their legs are thin. Right. Like what's um, <laughs> what's like a what's like a stretch where you like look, it just doesn't actually do anything, but like everybody does. Dude, I don't know. Dude, that's like a bodybuilder. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a slender man. <laughs> but instead of doing, you know, the stretches, the the, the lifting that actually like makes you stronger mm-hmm. in real life, it's just what makes your biceps bigger. Sure, sure. So just doing just doing curls all day long when really what you need to do is some Pilates. Um, yeah. These are, these are some there great analogies. So maybe like four people out there will like my animal kingdom another six or seven might like Mike's lifting 
Of uh, course, more a lot of bodybuilders listen to this show. Yeah, a lot of we're huge. The, co- the collective mass of our listeners yeah. actually have a way to track this through native advertising. Yeah, guys, good. better be scared. Yeah, good, good. Everyone be scared, and <laughs> and uh, we can top. The, we can finish this off with the uh, the trade that went down. Hilarious uh, trade. Hilarious trade. Great trade for a number of reasons. We get to see. Um, well, so here's the net of it, right? The Cavs got J.R. Smith and Shumpert, Iman Shumpert from the Knicks. Uh, Oklahoma City got Deion Waiters from the Cavs, and the Knicks get, in essence, just cap room and some players they're going to cut, like Lance Thomas. Um, uh, what's his name? Austin? Lou Almondson. Alex Kirk. And Alex Kirk of New Mexico, probably the rookie out of New Mexico. Didn't they New Zealand dude? Didn't they break up the Alex Kirk, Del Vadova, like kind of? Yeah, but Del Vadova's Australian, right? Yeah. I, I mixed that up. Really Kirk, uh, Kirk played at. He played in college at New Mexico. He was just a big redheaded guy. But anyhow, look, they're all going to get cut because the point here is that the Knicks are shedding cap room to have like $30 million in cap so that they can go out and not persuade uh, Aldridge or Gasol or Rondo um, or Kawhi Leonard or any of those guys to leave their good teams to come play for their dumpster fire, which is the irony here, right? That's New York. But it's New York. Who doesn't want to play in New York? Well, I remember a few people who don't. Most recently, uh, yeah. LeBron James didn't want to play in New York. Um, Dwight Howard didn't want to play in New York. Carmelo did, and he loves staying enough that he took the rest of the Knicks' money. Interesting, and because guy. taxes here are terrible, yeah. and okay. unless you live out in the suburbs, the school systems aren't that good either. Right. Well, well, yeah, and on top of that, um, these guys would be coming from other teams, so they'd be taking less money to come pay more taxes to play for a worse team. Yeah. Uh, Ian O'Connor Sounds on ESPN like a- had a good article today, which was like the pragmatic, realistic approach that Knicks fans need to take to this, which is like overnight... Phil Jackson, not only has he really not done anything yet, and that the first big things he's going to have to do moving forward are going to be that number, or you know, first, second, or third draft pick they get. Uh, it's going to be the free agent class. Uh, and then it's going to be how do they, moving forward, get assets to get better. Because let's be honest, the Knicks might have the least to offer in the entire NBA right now. Not just because they're the worst Maybe. team in the NBA record-wise. And we'll assume that Melo gets shut down with his knees in the next week or so, because at this point all indications point to that. Yeah. Who has less than the Knicks? Assets, future assets, current assets. I'd take the Sixers Wolves over them in a heartbeat. Yeah, 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 you would. I mean, yeah. Brooklyn. Sure. Well, Brooklyn, yeah, they don't have out of those assets because the Celtics have them. Right. Right, yeah. So yeah, that's true. Just, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, so look. Brooklyn I, is the only other this, one, I would say. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, then, but they're definitely in the early stages of a rebuild. Yeah. You know, the cost isn't too bad because, you know, they clear away Smith's player option. This yeah. is one of the weirdest, silliest decisions to keep him. But, I mean, they got caught in, like, a weird spot there. Yeah. Um, they probably weren't keeping Shumpert anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think he was kind of worn out as welcome. So it's not like they really lost anything. Um, it's a little disappointing, I think, that they didn't, for the price of losing Shumpert, couldn't get that first-rounder from Oklahoma City. That, if you remember, Oklahoma City offered a first-rounder for Shumpert last, last year. Last year, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, know, I don't no. know. I, I'm a little confused why Cleveland was the one that got the first-round pick. Yeah, the, so that was my – I was going to ask you, Mike. You're the, the insider here. How does Cleveland end up getting I don't the know. two players and the first-round pick? What, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, I guess, you know, if you look at it as, like, two separate transactions, yeah. like they're trading waiters for a first-round pick. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at what they – took out and what they took yeah. in, I think they probably made out ahead. Yeah. You know, rarely do you get the most effective, important player and, and assassin. Pick, yeah. You know. yeah, very very odd. Um, and the Knicks, we should mention, also get a protected second round pick in 2017 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a weird trade. Uh, what part we didn't talk about yet is 
Uh, I'm going to give you an over-under of four and a half games between uh, until we get to see Russell Westbrook and Dion Waiters trying to kill each other on the sideline at a timeout as Scotty Brooks just stares at them both <laughs> like a Tweety Bird. Uh, so give me a give me over under four and a half games till we get to see those guys come to blows. Under. Under. Well, okay. it depends on, well, not blows, but there's going to sure, be a verbal moment education. where... There's going to be a moment where Waiters is going to stand here with his hands up and they're not going to pass him the ball. You know what's right. going to happen. Of course. I don't know about you. I think this is a really. I think it's a big mistake by the Thunder. Okay. What do you think? Well, I like. I, to be honest with you, I like it. I like when you get to give a guy who's got talent, who hasn't really had the opportunity to play maybe the right system or the right players yet. Like we don't know a whole lot about Dion Waiters. I know a lot more about Shumpert's game and about J.R. Smith's game than I do about Dion Waiters' game. And part of it's because when in the the periods of Waiters' career where he hasn't had to play with Kyrie Irving, he's looked pretty good. He had a great game a couple days ago. Yeah, Harry was out. And Unfortunately, like, there are not going to be any periods I know. where the Lakers is going to play without. No, I know. But now I, he's going to play with better players. Yeah. No, I, I look. Look, if if you were to tell me Waiters is getting traded and what team would make sense for him, I wouldn't be able to give you a great team fit. So I think at least with the Thunder, there's a hierarchy that's established. They're going to be competing for a, a Western Conference and then maybe a championship one way or another. They're going to make the playoffs, even though currently they reside in like the 10 seed. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting. Waiters is going to have to play real basketball, the first real minutes of his career. But meaningful all of this minutes. is all of this applies to what happened this year. Yeah, in Cleveland. It's the exact same thing. But what? Nothing's happened in Cleveland so far. We said it ourselves at the beginning. Of this part of that is because Waiters hasn't really, yeah. you know, done what they had hoped. Yeah, you really like your gum, huh? I do. My man here has had like six pieces of gum during this podcast. I do. Yeah, I, I'm known to eat full packs in a day. You know the old Letterman. Uh, when they made when Norm McDonald made fun of Letterman on uh, SNL, like, you uh, you uh, yeah, yeah, you got any gum? <laughs> yeah, all right, that's, it's pretty yeah. funny. Check it out. Norm McDonald does a great a great yeah, Letterman. That's good. But uh, all right, well, that's a trade. It doesn't make anyone too excited. But I it think no, here but let it me talk more things about. Up. Let me tell you about more about why I don't like. this. Oh well, yeah, so I like waiters in OKC. I think it's a really bad idea. Like. I think they did not learn the lesson that Indiana learned last year. Okay, go ahead on that. Go on. They've got a guy. Key player and pending free agent Reggie Jackson clearly wants a big payday. No question about it. He's been vocal about that. Um, they probably aren't keeping him, but they still need him this year for them to do what they want to do. Right. Know, it's a very important part of their team. Right. They're not exactly the same player, but when you play the two together, they both like to have the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both very ball dominant, and frankly, not neither is really a great passer. Mm-hmm. Well, layers has shown that he can shoot a little better than Jackson. But Jackson, I think, is a better ball handler. I think even though Waiters can get to the bucket, I think Jackson is better at getting to the bucket, just a better mm-hmm. pick-and-roll player. And Jackson already has the built-in chemistry with their stars. I mean, sure. You know, and he proved to them that when Westbrook went down, he could, he could step right. in. Yeah. You know, he's a better player than Waiters. Mm-hmm. But they play similar styles of ball. I mean... We thought this year would be, okay, Waiters did that his first two years because he didn't have any teammates. Now he's got teammates and not going to play the way. Well, guess what? We played the exact same way. Yeah. And it didn't work. Yeah. Why would it change in Oklahoma City? Well, I mean, look, maybe it's fit. Like I said, he was a six-man at Syracuse because Beheim realized right away, I can't start this guy. He's not going to be someone who's going to get the rest of his players into a flow. Uh, he, he's definitely a heat check. Get him into the game and let him be the offensive player. So potentially that's the, where he gets to slot in with, um, with, with Oklahoma City because with, with the Cavs, they were going to keep one of their big three in the game with him. So he was never going to be the guy on the court. 
and he might not be the man on the court when Westbrook or Durant are on there, but if it's just one of them and him, I think he would love to be the bat or the Robin to the Batman. Well, I think it might more likely it'll be zero of them and him. Yeah, you're absolutely just knowing right. how the Thunder are. But now, but then you then have you're the Jack- Jackson. Then you have the Jackson Waiters dynamic. I just I don't see where he fits in at no. all. And I think if I'm Reggie Jackson, you know, certainly I've accomplished a lot. Certainly, I know I'm probably going to get a, a good payday. But I'm also a little anxious knowing that. This is a guy that could take my spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what incentive... Let's say that I'm having a rough game. Are they going to pull me and play waiters instead? Right. To me, that just messes up a lot of what you try to do. I think they're trying to get too cute. Or maybe they'll trade Jackson. I mean, there's a lot of talk now that they're going to move somebody. Um, now, what could they get for Jackson? Well, I don't know. He's a pending free agent. Um, right. That's an interesting question. Sure. But you know, I don't know exactly what they need. I mean, that's the thing. But they also have a lot of these guys, right? Jackson, Terry Jones, Jeremy Lamb. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like Anthony Morrow. I think he should play more. I think this may cramp his minutes a little bit. Interesting. Um, and that's, I think, a, a problem. I mean, and, um, down the stretch of a game, I mean, you could leave guys on Oklahoma City. But if you play Morrow, it's harder to leave them. Morrow I think shoot. That's Morrow one of the best shooters in the league. Yep. So I just I don't see the minutes and I don't see the chemistry fit and I think that the Thunder are a team where, you know, they always worry about the next going forward. Mm-hmm. And going forward, the way they could sell us is that well, Waiters is going to just take Jackson's role. They don't have to pay Jackson. Kevin Durant's a free agent soon. That's always been Presti's thing, right? Not thinking about the present, right. always thinking about the future. He's Otherwise, Hardman still. He should be called it. Sam Futury, not present. No, nope, it does work. not work. <laughs> <laughs> Mike will be back next week with a far better play on Sam Presti's name. Um, but, hey, look, hopefully between now and next week, there's another trade that we can get into as well because I love when the pieces move around. Yeah, I'll think like, about Cleveland real quick. Do yeah. you think that makes them better? Um, I do. I do, actually. I, do, I think it makes them better if, if one thing happens. I said this earlier, but J.R.'s ceiling as a player is a, is a good NBA player, like a very serviceable player. And, and when we got a full season of that, not only did it bring the Knicks to like what the two three seed in the East, whatever they were, yeah, um, and he was sixth man of the year, and he was a perfect complement for Carmelo, which no one could imagine would actually have worked. So, yeah, I think there's a level of of basketball savvy and commitment that LeBron James is going to bestow upon Jr. that he probably has not had put upon him by anybody else he's played with in his career because Carmelo has been his primary superstar in Denver and in New York. So I actually think JR is going to be a good fit for them, and Shumpert's going to be an incredibly important player for the matchups in the East, where he's going to be able to. They're going to be able to use Shumpert uh, on primary offensive players and be able to give LeBron James a little bit of rest, so it won't be like LeBron guarding one through four because Shump can actually take Jimmy Butler or Shump can take Demar Derozan, uh, and I think that is going to end up being the biggest benefit offensively for the Cavs is what is what Shumper can do defensively to take away uh, some of that load from LeBron James. Yeah, I agree. I like, um, I'm less optimistic about JR. I, okay. I'm just not sure he's going to do that much sure. for them. You know, it's nice to have another guy. They need guys. Uh, Shumpert, though, very interesting fit. Never been a huge fan of his game, but it's always tough to tell when he's had a weird New York career. Super weird. You know, a couple and I coaches. Think, three coaches. Yeah, very <laughs> weird in, like, different roles and, you know, I think he's wanted to expand his game a little bit, but playing in Cleveland, you know, if you just look at it in theory, I mean, this is a guy that can spot up. It's shown he can spot up, although shooting's a little spotty. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just put it this way. I mean, Danny Green thriving for San Antonio. I mean, Shepard's sure. not as good as Danny Green, but it's a similar kind of game, right? Yeah, I mean, look. What, he can attack a closeout. He yeah. doesn't have to put the ball on the floor as much. Well, Danny Green's MO out of UNC was he was an athlete. 
You know, yeah. he was a defensive player and an athlete. He became a good shooter when he was given a role and Pop said, you want to play in the NBA, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, he wasn't an NBA player. Yeah. Um, now, Shump is an NBA player, but coming out of Georgia Tech, same thing. Athlete, plays defense, going to be a wing perimeter player, uh, good defensive player, I should say. Um, has added little parts of his game, but the next step is, you know, Blatch or... Um, or, or LeBron James saying, you want to be in the NBA? You want to get your next contract? This is what you have to become. And, yeah. and maybe he takes that next step. And I it, hope he if does. he commits to kind of playing very quickly and making mm-hmm. quick decisions, I think that'll help. Now, the one thing that's a bit of a concern if you're Cleveland is your capsule situation is not in great shape already because sure. of the Vergeau extension, which it looks really which really uh, what short-sighted did, What did everyone point? say when they, it was like, oh, good, they just paid for the 29 games a year Vergeau is going to yeah. play, and then he played... 20 about 29 games. games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have to pay. They have Thompson and Shumpert as restricted free agents. Um, is Shumpert going to be a guy that you keep around for the long haul? And if if so, that how does that really affect your number? Yeah. I mean, you, that's going to be a little tricky for them. But I think this year, once he gets healthy, he'll help them a little bit. Cool. Uh, it's a good fit. So they, yeah, they got, again, the best player and the best asset. So yeah. hard to complain. Probably a win for the Cavs, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I don't know if it really changes like their standing in the East, but no. I think they're a better team. No, but it, show, it shows that they were not happy with the status quo, um, which we weren't either as fans of the game. Um, but, hey, look, Mike, this was about an hour. That's about as long as I think we can keep people's attention. So we'll, we'll cut this off. Next week I want to talk more about like the MVP, the Rookie of the Year. I don't think we've talked for a second about Andrew Wiggins yet, this entire yeah. podcast. And he's only getting better and better as we neglect him. Um, Are you sad that the Sixers didn't get him? Uh, a little bit, but I'm also really happy that I have the funniest guy on Twitter. Regardless of <laughs> if, if Embiid doesn't play a second for the Sixers, he's already won us like five or five to ten uh, moral victories with his with his tweet game. That's true. I mean, um, if he's if he uh, if his legs fall apart and he can't play, you have a social media intern yes, right there. Exactly, he's very important. Um, an important role for they can for rival every the Hawks. Yeah, they can rival the Hawks is having the best Twitter account yeah. in the league. Well, the Hawks feed so good. It used to be the best thing the Hawks had. Now they have a team. Yep. Uh, but cool, yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into a little bit uh, of the, the art of dysfunction. I wanted to talk about it this time. We didn't really have a, a great time, a girl, enough time to talk about it, but we will eventually talk about how the Sacramento Kings and the Knicks self-sabotage and the Lakers. Oh. We'll throw them in there, too. Uh, the Knicks, real, those Kings really depress me. Yeah, because, because there is not a sadder thing in sports and the Sacramento Kings. But, uh, all right, Mike, hey, till next time, I'm Ben. I'm Mike. This yeah, I'm preempting you. It's all right. No, you don't no, get no to it's good. It's me. good. It's good. I'm Ben, and that's Mike. And I'm this, Mike. this was a limited upside podcast. Yeah.